Amen. How's everybody doing today? Good stuff? <laughs> uh, one, one more quick announcement. Uh, uh, Becca want, wanted to remind everyone, we have this Friday and Saturday, we have our Therefore Girls Conference for uh, teenage girls. So if you have uh, any, any of your kids are in a part of gathering youth or within that age, uh, see Becca. And uh, typically this would be a conference that the girls, we would take the girls out to a particular location like a, a church or whatnot, and several other churches would be getting together. Um, but but uh, with COVID this year, uh, they, they're doing it remotely. Uh, they, they've actually done it remotely, but we're, we're so, so you guys are going to be actually watching the, um, the pre-recorded sessions, uh, but, but we're going to make an event of it, and I believe it's going to be at Chateau de Noblet, right? The, the Noblet's house. And, uh, but if you have any questions concerning it, see Becca in the back, wave your hands. Uh, this, is gonna be fri this coming Friday night and throughout the day Saturday, I think there's going to be some free Chick-fil-A. So, yeah, see, that's like worth like going to. Anyway, free Chick-fil-A, free nugs. You got to have free chicken nuggets, man. That's, there ain't nothing wrong with that. Life's too short not to indulge in some free Chick-fil-A chicken nuggets. That's what I'm saying. Uh, we've got a lot of new faces here today. Thank you so much, because it helps, because we got a lot of families that are out on spring break, so otherwise I wouldn't, I'd be preaching to a lot, a lot of chairs. Uh, but thank you so much for being here. You could have been any place else on the planet, but you chose to be right here with us today, and uh, we are blessed and uh, that you would be here, and I just pray that the Holy Spirit just ministers in some way to you. And uh, that you can connect with the Lord in some wonderful way today. Because that's really what it's all about. The whole reason why we even go through all the effort is not just a, hey, look, we have a church. It's not that. It's we, we really just want to bring people to Jesus and get together and lift him up and praise his name. Amen. Can we do that just for a moment, just in your own way? We're, we're very mixed. We got folks from all the entire range of Christianity that gets, gets together. Uh, however you want to. Let's just take a few moments real quick. And let's just give him a little praise from within your heart. If you want to speak out to him, if you want to raise your hands, if you want to sit in silent meditation, you can do that. But let's just take a second and lift up the name of Jesus, can we? Father, I thank you because you're so good. Jesus, I love you. You're our great lover, Lord. You're our first love. And we lift up your name. We magnify you above every situation in our life. No matter how big the mountain is, you're bigger no matter how great the sin is, your grace is an ocean bigger. Your love is infinite. Your peace is abundant. The world didn't give us your peace and the world can't take it away. But we just love you today. And it's really all about you. Because without you, we wouldn't be anything. But you chose in your infinite wisdom and in your infinite love to call us according to your purpose and to save us, and we just thank you today. Amen, amen, amen. If, if, you, uh, if, if you, you may remember this, some of y'all may, may be old enough to know the song, but I woke up singing it in my heart today, uh, so you get to be part of a choir. Otherwise, your grandma probably sung it a little bit, but it's, uh, without him, I would be nothing. Without him, I'd surely fail. Without him, I would be drifting like a ship without a sail. Without him, I would be dying. Without him, 
I'd be enslaved. Without him, life would be worthless. But with Jesus, thank God I'm saved. And the chorus is like this. Jesus, oh Jesus, do you know him today? Please don't turn him away. Oh Jesus, my Jesus, without him how lost I'd be. Amen. I don't know what your stories are. Hallelujah. He's worthy. All I know is without him, I would be so lost. I don't know what your stories are. Look, I'm just telling you, I've been a knucklehead in my life. And I've walked with him most of my life. But at the same time, I've messed up all along the way. And there's been times that he saved me from drowning in my own mess. And uh, you'll have to just maybe ignore me if I get emotional at times. I was trying to express him. So we had a staff retreat just the... Uh, uh, couple of days ago and and uh just to get away and take a big long drink of the holy spirit and uh man i was just a blubbering mess man i just you know just to sit in the presence of god and know that i'm i'm the least deserving of anybody and yet here he is he loves me no matter what and his presence and his goodness is so good and sometimes you know if, if somebody was out there drowning right now and, and one of you jumped in and saved him he wouldn't care what he looked like man he'd be coughing up water he'd be hugging you kissing you it didn't matter just he would be so emotional, so grateful that he said, that's how I feel at times in my life because he has saved me out of some dire straits and uh, I just can't help but get excited about him, amen? And get fired up about him. So uh, you're welcome to get fired up about him today. <laughs> hey, that's good, thank you. Uh, I know sometimes we've grown up, some of us have grown up where you're, shh, you gotta be reverent and quiet in church. And there's times that we're gonna, Sit, sit in a holy hush of his presence. But there's times just to, it's all right to get emotional. You want to you laugh, you want to cry, you want to rejoice, you want to do whatever. Hey, God put emotions in you for a reason. Uh, not to guide you and steer you in life, but to express the goodness uh, and sometimes the hardship of life. Amen. Uh, today we're going to be talking uh, part two on our Get Up series. You got to get up. Uh, here in just a few weeks, we've got Resurrection Sunday. Easter is coming up. Kate mentioned it. We'll be out at the park, Lord willing, if, uh, if the, uh, uh, the sun's shining and the creek don't rise, as they say, right? Uh, we're going to be out at the park, lifting up the name of Jesus right out in the middle of uh, the open. Those of you who were with us over the summer, we had a blast uh, from, from May all the way to October. Uh, we were out at the park glorifying Jesus and uh, didn't, didn't disturb too many neighbors, fortunately. We didn't have too many too many complaints. We got a lot. We really have a loving neighborhood, and we're blessed to do that. Some of us that were dropping off bags had a chance to meet. Uh, and I'm I'm curious how how many are here today, just out of curiosity. If you're here today, and this is your first Sunday, how many are here today because of the gift bag that you had on your porch? Is there anybody who's here today because of the gift? All right, we got a few. Got a few. Thank you. Thank y'all so much. There were some wonderful, loving people uh, that we got to meet. People from all cultures people from all religions that I had a chance to meet. And everyone was so nice. Out of 477 bags, I only encountered one grouchy person. That's not too bad of odds. And it was the funniest thing. I, I, I was dropping off bags, and this lady yelled, said, hey, 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 do you, are you, you dropping off those blue bags? I said, yes, ma'am. She, she was out walking her dog. She goes, I live right over there. You dropped one on my porch yesterday. I said, oh, yeah, I remember your house. Yeah, absolutely. And introduced myself. She goes, 
She didn't even tell me who she was. She said, look, I'm about to go get it. I don't like to waste things and trust me. That's the last thing I'm interested in. <laughs> so she said, I'm, I'm going to give it back to you. And uh, I thought, well, she doesn't like me in the first place. So I might as well. I said, well, it's in good shape still, right? <laughs> she just kind of looked at me. I said, no, I'm, I'm kidding. So anyways, but I went up, had a chance to you know, go up to her door and just you know, told her to be blessed and enjoy the day. And uh, guess who I've been praying for a lot this week? So... Uh, but, but we're talking about get up. It's time to get back up. Man, the world has shut us down long enough. Uh, the world, we've, some of us have been cooped up long enough. Some of us have gone through some things, not just from the pandemic, but just some of us have gone through some difficult times and some hardships in life, uh, great loss perhaps in our life. And sometimes that can leave you weary. Sometimes you can give up on hope. You can give up on your desires. And I believe that the Holy Spirit going into the Easter season is letting us know, hey, it's time for resurrection. You know, Jesus died for our sins. He was put in a tomb, but he got back up. He didn't stay there. He got up. And so the Holy Spirit is trying to tell somebody, hey, get up. I know, you've, I know you're tired. I know you're about to give up. I, I know there's been times you wanted to throw in the towel, but it's time to get back up. And so we're just taking a few weeks and talking about things that revolve around the resurrection, uh, different things that the Holy Spirit may highlight for us. And uh, last week, we just had some basic meditations on what, what resurrection means to us. Well, this week, my subject is going to be seeking the living among, among the dead. Uh, so we're going to hop right into it. Now, this is a picture uh, that was taken of the garden tomb in Jerusalem. I don't know if, it, if those of you who've been able to make the trip, make a trip over to Israel, uh, this was probably one of the places that you got to visit. There's two locations uh, that folks feel may be possible the uh, possibly the location of the resurrection. One is the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, which tends to be more of the Orthodox faith. Faiths will, will attend, uh, go, go to that particular church, and within that big cathedral is uh, a leftover tomb from a rock quarry that dates back to the time of Christ. Perhaps that is the location, perhaps not. Um, it's beautiful within the cathedral. There's a lot of history there. A lot of folks go and they worship that site. There's a reason why, I said this last week, there's a reason why God didn't put addresses in the word of God as to where certain things took place so that we wouldn't worship the location, but we'll worship the miracle worker that performed the miracle at that location, right? And uh, so, so my heart went out to a lot of folks, not in judgment, but you know, to see them just cry out and, and they're so hungry. And I thought, just, man, it's, it's, not, it's not about the slab of rock. It's, it's about the the Messiah that possibly came out of the slab of rock. Uh, just on a personal note, the, at the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, I'm not, I don't necessarily fully buy into it because about 200 years after the time of Christ, roughly, uh, when, when the Roman government decided to federalize Christianity, uh, uh, Constantine sent his mother over to Israel and said, go find where all these holy things took place and set up markers so that we can preserve them. So she shows up in a rock quarry and says, hey, 200 years ago, there was supposedly a Messiah that, oh, yeah, that Jesus guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we think it was this one. <laughs> you know, maybe this tomb. Oh, well, all right, then let's, let's make it be this tomb or whatever. It, 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 there's not a lot of rhyme or reason to it. Uh, this is a few blocks over. This is the garden tomb, and it was also a place that dates back to the time of Christ. Maybe this was a tomb, maybe not. What's cool is if when you sit there and read the account of the crucifixion, uh, the, the burial and the resurrection, all of the elements that would have been uh, part of that uh, 
that account, you can actually physically see things that would make sense. So eh, maybe, perhaps. Uh, last time, I, the first time I visited, there was actually a big giant uh, flat stone that was off on this side of the entrance, right? And uh, you can kind of see what looks like a step down there. That was actually uh, almost uh, a divot that, that the stone could roll back and forth in. And it would have been a really heavy stone. Uh, the next time I went, the stone wasn't there, so I'm not sure what happened to it. Maybe the angel decided to like throw it all, all away or something, I don't know. Uh, but uh, now, is that the place, is that the actual tomb? Who knows? Maybe, maybe not. It's beautiful. It, it's, it's an incredible, like when you sit there and read the account, man, you know, if I thought flannel board was cool in Sunday school when I was a kid, y'all remember, those of you who remember flannel board, right? Man, I thought flannel board was cool because it brought the Bible to life. No, this is like the ultimate flannel board expedition. When you go over to Israel and you see all this stuff, right? It all comes to life. Uh, but the point being, he was, he was put in a, in a rich man's tomb, right? He was put in a rich man's tomb. Uh, Joseph of Arimathea asked to bury him, went to Pilate and said, can, can I have the body of Jesus? And now what's interesting about this particular tomb, when you go in, you can tell where it was originally fitted for someone that was yay big, and then they hastily had to knock out about another extra foot down here to fit somebody else in there. Now, perhaps, maybe Jesus was taller than Joseph, and they had to kind of uh, accommodate. Why would a rich man, this was a, like, back in the time, this would have been a really nice tomb. Why would a rich man give up his grave? Well, it wasn't, it wasn't a permanent grave the way that the Jews typically did it during that time period. Uh, he would have stayed in the tomb for about a year. Then they would have went in, removed him, and put him into a permanent, uh, more of what would resemble more of a casket for us. It would actually be smaller. They would kind of fold up their loved ones a little bit more and have them a little bit more in a nice permanent box as far as their... So it's, it's interesting when you get over there. But this, I, I just kind of put this up there just to set, set the visual for what's about to take place. You know, the, the disciples and the followers of Jesus were in shock. You know, they thought he was the Messiah. They thought he was going to come free them from Roman rule and, and emancipate Israel once and for all. Uh, they didn't realize that spiritually he was emancipating the entire world from the bondage of sin. And uh, so this is where we start out. Luke chapter 24, verse 1. But very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. Now, keep in mind, they're fully aware that some big giant stone was rolled in front of the tomb because of this rumor that all of his followers said that he was supposed to rise again in three days. And they said, no, we're going to see to that. That's not going to happen. They, they rolled that big stone in front, put a, put a whole garrison of soldiers, put a bunch of cops in front, right, to make sure there ain't nobody breaking in. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. Think about how shocked they would have been. So they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there, as they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He's risen from the dead. Remember what, we, what he told you back in Galilee. 
that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and that he would rise again on the third day. And I love this verse, verse 8. Then they remembered that he had said that. Oh, oh yeah, he did say that, didn't he? You know? uh, what a powerful story. Could you imagine going to your loved one's tomb, expecting, number one, to see a stone, giant stone in the way, the stone's rolled out of the way, you run in, and the first thing you think is, man, somebody has robbed his grave. And then turn around and see two angels standing there. You know, think of all the bizarrety that's going through your mind. Uh, what a wonderful Savior we have, that he wouldn't just die for my sins, be crucified. Well, first of all, he, he would be beat and bruised for my iniquities and for my healing's sake. And then he's die, he, he dies on the cross to become the spotless lamb, that his blood would make atonement for me. He who knew no sin would become sin. And then that wasn't it. They put him in a tomb. So they buried him and covered him up, just like my sins and my past and my mistakes and my old nature can be covered up. That's why we were buried with Christ in baptism. You know, we've had a chance to baptize folks in this lake. We've baptized folks in swimming pools around the neighborhood. Why? Because we're, they're identifying with his death, his burial. Now, there's something that goes on whenever I dunk you. You get back up, right? I let you get back up. <laughs> in other words, there is a resurrection. You come up in newness of life. And as a new creature, the Bible says, old things have passed away, all things are made New, what a wonderful story. And, and the fact that the Bible says that if you, if you believe this in your heart and you confess it in your mouth, that you can be saved. What does that mean to be saved? The, the Greek word is sozoed. It doesn't mean just punching your ticket to heaven. That's part of it. But it means sozo or salvation means newness of life, restoration of your mind, wholeness of health, wholeness of body, all the benefits that come from walking with the Lord. That's some pretty powerful stuff. And, it, and it's, it's not just enough that he died and was buried, but this is the power of it, the resurrection. And, and yet, my, my text today, my, my title today comes from this text. It's the, the question that the angels asked. Why are you looking for someone who's alive amongst the dead? Because he's not here, he's risen just like he said he would be. The, the word is seeking. The King James says, why seek the living amongst the dead? Seek, the word seek means to search or look for something. It also means to ask for direction, assistance, or understanding. To inquire for answers. It can also mean to crave something. So the angel's question could be expanded to this in our life today, if we want to apply this to our life. Why are you searching for living answers and life-giving things amongst dead things? Yet we do it all the time. Think about it. Uh, J.J. sung about it the, uh, on, on that last song when, when Job was crying out to God and he says, Lord, all I'm seeing around this world is just, 
things that are dying off, things that are, you know, there's, this world is a mess. And really, if you think about it, everything in this realm is temporary. It's transit, transient. It, it, nothing lasts forever. These bodies, no matter how healthy we keep them, they're not designed to last forever, are they? Uh, these homes, as beautiful as they are, you know, God should tarry is coming 300 years from now. Probably most of these homes ain't going to be here, you know? Things don't last forever. The news cycles don't last forever, do they? You remember? All the things that just seem to be the most prevalent last fall. Hardly anyone's talking about them on the news now. Why? Because we moved on. We got to sell something else. Yet we go to relationships. We go to the media. We go to social media. God help us. <laughs> we go to our jobs looking for an identity, looking for something to make us alive. You know, relationships, relationships change, don't they? You know, I, I moved into the neighborhood about seven years ago. You know, I, I watched, it was kind of fun. I was like, man, we all never really get out of high school, do we? You know, and, and I watched as friendship circles would form and little pockets here and there, and some were a little more cliquish than others and all that. And you kind of saw where all the social uh, rotisserie was taking place. And seven years later, yeah, that's all scrambled up now. Those relationships still aren't the same as what they used to be. Friends that all of a sudden were, oh, we're besties. Well, no, not so much anymore. It's kind of funny how that happened, right? So even that's, ultimately, relationships are transient in a lot of ways, right? It's, they're not going to stay the same. Yet we go to these things looking for life. We go to these things looking for what makes us us, looking for an identity, looking for answers. The word seek means to inquire for answers. Why are we going to dead things to try to find living answers? Man, I wish, I wish with all my heart that I could see the church, not just this church, but the church in general. I wish I could see the church get as fired up about Jesus and the word of God as I did, as I saw them get over this last election. I wish I could see us get as passionate publicly about the goodness of God and the, and the kingdom and, and, and the gospel as I saw people get over politics. Look, Praise God for government. Man, we got to have some government to keep us from getting unruly, right? And we can agree and disagree and all this stuff on how government should be ran and all this stuff. But man, folks get fired up about government stuff and politics. But everyone wants to shh when it comes to the Lord, you know? Man, now let's get fired up. Why? Because that's the only living thing. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. He is the living word of God. In the beginning was the word, the logos, the logic. And the word became flesh, the Bible said. So if you want life, if you're going to seek for living answers, it needs to be in the author of life himself. In the word of God. So let's talk about the right way. Let's stop seeking for things and death. <laughs> Everything about this planet, I don't care how good it is. Man, we got some good people around us, you know, but I can't find my answers, the, the fullness of the answers I need in life from any of you, even though they all are some of the sweetest people I know. 
except for Michael. He does get a little grouchy sometimes. No. Uh, but I can't find fulfillment and life-giving answers solely in you guys. I've got to return back to the Word. Why? Because if I can consume the Word, I'm consuming Christ because He is the living Word of God. So, Matthew 6, 33, I love this. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Isn't that a wonderful promise? Seek first the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? Paul says it this way. Kingdom of heaven isn't about eating and drinking or it's not about rules and regulations and religiosity, but it's about righteousness. In other words, doing the right thing. Was it the Dantre says? Do the yeah, Dantre, the, the wrestling coach for Nehemiah Builds. He teaches these kids, these kids that it's like the bad news bears of wrestling sometimes, right? He he teaches these kids how to wrestle, but he teaches them about the word of God and he says, do the right thing all the time, even when nobody's looking. That's that's a pretty good mantra. What is he doing? He's trying to teach them about righteousness. That's what righteousness means. It's rightedness, thinking right, doing right, acting right, being right, loving right, understanding and perceiving right. That's righteousness. That's what he's promised you. If you're walking in the, in the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. Peace. Let's talk about peace. There is peace that he offers you. That was the, one of the last gifts that Jesus gave before he ascended. He said, my peace I leave with you. I leave you peace. I could leave you anything else, but I leave you peace. Not as the world knows, but it's, it comes from me. You ever, you ever heard the, the term, hold your peace? We need to learn to hold our peace. Why? Because everyone wants to take it away. Every situation wants to take our peace away. But the Lord said, no, I give it to you. And I give you authority to hang on to it. All authority belongs to me, Christ says. I give you authority. I give you peace. You ain't got to give it away to nobody. That's part, of, that's part of the kingdom. Then joy, happiness. You can be joyful. You can be right in the middle of the hardest time of your life and still have joy. Why? Because it's part of the kingdom of God. So seek first. In other words, find your answers in righteousness and in peace and in joy. And then he goes on to say, he says, seek first the kingdom of God and live righteously. Engage in some clean living. How's that? Right? Do the right thing, live the right way, and then everything you need, I'll supply for you. What a great promise. Philippians chapter 2, starting with verse 20 and 21. This is Paul talking about Timothy. He's sending Timothy to help shepherd uh, and help teach the church at Philippi. And look what he says about Timothy. He says, for I have no one like him, no one of so, so kindred of a spirit, who will be so genuinely interested in your welfare and devoted to your interest. For others all seek, there's that word again, others all seek to advance their own interest, but not those of Jesus Christ the Messiah. What he's telling them is, you know what? I could send you other guys to help shepherd you, to help guide you, to help teach you. But the problem is they, they're seeking their own interest. They got their own politics that they want to they spout. They, they, they've got their own ministries they want to promote. You know, they got their own stuff that they want to push on you. And they're not, so they're more interested in themselves than they are in the kingdom of God. But Timothy was willing to seek the kingdom of God. And everything that he does revolves around the kingdom of God. 
Now we're praying for we're praying for specific direction here at Gathering Church, specific uh, uh, strategy and agenda moving forward. And whatever the Lord tells us to do, that's what we're going to do. But but on our, our staff retreat, one of the most beautiful things that happened, we really just started seeking Him, seeking the kingdom of God. We spent the first hour or so just in praise and worship and glorifying Him and speaking and prophesying over each other and just speaking words of, of encouragement and love and just allowing the presence of God. Why? Because above all else, that's really what this is about. It's not about promoting gathering church to this community. It's about promoting Jesus and the kingdom to this community. Amen? So it's rare to find someone who do, doesn't seek the advancement of their own agenda. So Timothy, was a, he was a good seeker. 1 Corinthians 10, 24. Everybody still with me? Are you bored yet? Because I'm trying really hard to bore you. I'm trying, I promise, I'm trying really hard to bore you. 1 Corinthians 10, 24 says this. Let no one then seek his own good and advantage and profit, but rather each one of the other. Or let him seek the welfare of his neighbor. Let's stop seeking for things amongst dead rubble stuff. But let's start seeking the kingdom. Part of the kingdom is this. Setting yourself aside. No greater love is any man shown but to lay down his life for a friend. I was talking about Jesus and the love that he, he laid down his life, but there are going to be times that we get to lay our life aside. There's going to be times that we get to interrupt our agendas and interrupt our schedules to make sure someone else is okay. You know, there are going to be times that you don't have to, you don't buy that extra outfit so that you can meet a need in somebody else's life. I've, I've known couples who'll decide to, hey, we're gonna go out to eat tonight, but we'll, we'll eat off the same plate so that the money that we spent, that we would have spent on the other plate, we'll just leave a, a big giant tip for somebody. Well, what's that doing? They're, they're, they're seeking the welfare of someone. They wanna bless someone, so they're gonna, they're gonna consider themselves lesser for a moment. You know, Nothing wrong with taking care of yourself. But man, if, if you, how about, wouldn't it be awesome for us to adopt a mindset, even like on our jobs, that, hey, how can I, bless, instead of, hey, I'm here, I'm going to do a job, you better pay me, <laughs> you know? That tends to be our agreement here in America, right? What if we went, showed up and said, you know what, Lord, how can I bless my coworkers? How can I bless my boss? How can I be a blessing to this company? And rather than seeking to move up in the company, just seek to bless folk and let God actually promote you within the company or within your career because you've become such a huge blessing. Amen? Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, starting with verse 11. Ooh, we all know this one, and we all love it. All right? For I know the thoughts and plans that I have for you, says the Lord, thoughts and plans for welfare and peace and not for evil, to give you hope in your final outcome or to give you hope in a future, some translations say. And we all love that, man. We'll post that on our wall. And ooh, God's got some plans for me and thoughts for me and their thoughts of peace and hope. And he's going to give me a future. He's going to give me welfare. He's going to provide for me. And, and I love God's plans for me. But let's, let's read on. Let's see what it says. Then you will call upon me and you will come and pray to me and I will hear and heed you. Then you will seek me. You're going to look for answers in me. You're going to inquire for purpose and direction and destiny from me. You're not going to go to the internet. You're not going to go to your friends. You're not going to do whatever the news is telling you to do or what your favorite political party is trying to tell you to do. You're going to seek me, he says. 
Then you will seek me, inquire for, and require me as a vital necessity. Man, that's powerful. When you see him as your vital necessity. The Lord, the Lord started dealing with me about fear. Last year, you know, he really, with, with the journey of my life, he really pushed me in the direction of faith, walking and living by faith and being a man of faith. And those of you who were walking with us last summer, remember we said that the Lord said that he was gonna move us from people who believe in God to people who believe God, right? It's not a matter of, oh, I believe in the Bible, but do you believe the Bible? You know, if he promised you something, do you believe in him or do you believe him? And there, it's a powerful, it's powerful when you start learning to let go and just saying, Lord, I, I trust you. I trust you with everything. I trust you with everything. And this year, one of the things he told me going into this year is, Dave, I'm going to start ridding you of fears in your life. Subtle fears that you didn't even realize you had. Fears, because fear is the opposite of faith. And faith is really the only fight we have to fight. We've been talking about it. First Timothy talks about fight the good fight of faith. So well, I thought we had to fight the devil. No, it says resist the devil and he'll flee. But you fight the good fight of faith. You wake up every morning and it's a fight within you. Am I going to trust you, God, or am I not? Well, fear is the opposite of faith. And if you're going to walk, if you're going to be a man of faith or a woman of faith, he's going to start trimming fear off of you. And, and there was one thing I remember in, in a dialogue I was having with him the other night. It was just me and him. And occasionally he'll ask me, what do you fear, Dave? What do you fear? And I was at a place... And I remember feeling his presence and feeling his affirmation. I said, the one thing I can think of right now is I don't want to wake up and not know your presence is with me and not know that I've got to, I've got to feel you. I've, I've got to know that I'm connected with you. I, I don't ever want to stand up here and address my neighbors and my friends without knowing that he's here. He is that vital to me. With some of the things I've had to walk through, there were some of the hardest things I've ever gone through in my life. But man, the sweetness of the fellowship that I have found in him, even in some of my darkest hours, he has shown the brightest. And there has been some beautiful, beautiful fellowship and connectivity. And that's, if I fear anything at this moment, it's the only thing. I don't ever want there to be a day that I don't know him in that way. It's too precious. It is too precious. And if I had to live through the last 22 months over and over and over and over and over again, man, I would do it if it meant knowing him in that capacity to where he is the vital core of my being. Man, I've got to have him. I've got to have him. And he said, hey, look, i got some plans for you, but I need you to seek me and I need you to look at me as you're in seeking and inquiring for answers I need you to make me the most vital thing in your life and find me. Look at the promise. This is beautiful. When you do that, you're going to find me when you search for me with all your heart, with every ounce of passion. You're going to find me. And finally, Matthew 7 and 7. Let's all stand. That usually makes people feel better when you get them to stand. They, whoo, that means the preacher's almost over. But those of you who've been with me long enough, when I say in closing, what does that mean? Absolutely nothing. That's just preacher gibberish. <laughs> but in closing, <laughs> Matthew 7 and 7. I love this. Look how persistent he wants you to be in the kingdom and with him. And how he wants you to have a bulldog mindset. Perhaps even a French bulldog. 
JJ and Kate got a new family member. She'll proudly show you pictures. His name's Hiccup. And uh, he's a little Frenchy. And JJ's big Frenchies trying to process, trying to figure out what's going on. But I was over there the other, the other evening, took Lily over there to see Hiccup. And Pudge, who's JJ's Frenchy bulldog, he was pretty tenacious, man. He was like not thrilled that Lily was out in the backyard with Hiccup. He was kind of wanting out the door. And even though JJ was letting him know to, hey, knock it off, cut it out, Pudge, get over here. Now he was stubborn. He kept going to the door, kept going to the door. Guess what happened? Kate actually opened the door and said, hey, let him come on out. It's all good. Why? Because he kept going to the door. Why? Because he's a bulldog. He's stubborn. Well, that's what Jesus is saying here. Keep on asking, and you'll receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking. Don't go to dead places to find answers. He says, no, come to me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. You want living answers? You come to me. Keep on seeking, and you're going to find Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. Be persistent in the kingdom, and don't be shy. Amen? Let's all pray. Father, I thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that the word now just plants deep in our hearts. Let it begin to bear fruit. Lord, if there's anyone here that needs to reconnect with you, I pray that in this last song, you just overwhelm them with your grace and your love. Let it even be physical. Let them just physically feel you so that their spirit can know. Lord, if there's anyone that needs healing in their body, Father, I pray that you begin to touch their body right now, begin to heal them. I speak health over them from the top of their head to the bottom of their feet. If there's anyone that needs encouragement, Lord, you lift their spirits up. You encourage them. If anyone needs clarity of direction and sight, Father, just said the steps of the righteous man are ordered of you. Thank you, Lord, for your amazing grace. None of us deserve your love and your acceptance and your forgiveness, but you have chosen while we were yet sinners, you still loved us and died for us. Thank you so much, Lord. I speak a blessing over everybody that as we go back out into our homes and our lives, that we don't leave church, but we become church. That we can go out and be the church this week, Father. Lord, let this just be the pep rally and direct us. Get us into your word this week, Lord. Get us into your presence and we praise you. In Jesus' name, everyone say amen. Here's your homework. Here's your challenge. Don't turn to dead things this week. I challenge someone to turn the nightly news off one night this week. And if it's 30 minutes, you watch it. If it's an hour or whatever, spend that time in his presence. Open up the word of God. Open up Google. You want to, look, Google's the best Bible college you can go to. Trust me. You can find anything in the word of God. Just Google it, man. Information age. But that's your challenge this week. Put some feet on this word. Put some feet on your faith. Turn off social media, like just shut down Facebook long enough, shut down Twitter long enough. You know, if you hang on there long enough and you start showing love and you start speaking the word of God, they'll shut you down. Don't worry about it. They'll shut you down one way or another, right? Turn it off long enough. 
and spend some time. I double dog dare somebody to spend 20, 30 minutes just sitting in the presence of God and talking to him. Say, well, he talked back. He will, and you'll learn to you'll learn to hear him. Even if you don't this week, you will learn. Amen. Let's worship one more time together. Because he's worthy of it in his amazing grace. Can we give him a hand clap of praise real quick? Amen.